Good morning, you beautiful people. You know that every time I come up here, you steal a little bit more of my heart. And Emma, you did not have to have those songs. They did not help. <laughs> all right, I'm sitting there where, you know, we're saying, give everything to God and surrender all to him. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm doing that. And, oh, I want to be here. <laughs> this is a wonderful, wonderful church. And you guys, I watched on YouTube, was it, you yeah, know, Facebook, last week, what you did with the choir. Amazing. All these people up there and they're leaping and jumping and full of the joy of the Lord. Every time I come up here, I'm overwhelmed by how much you change. But it's changing in a good way. It's getting closer to God. There's a richness here in this place. From the moment we get out of the car, right, Tim? There's people saying hello to us and welcoming us. We had an escort service. About seven people escorted us in this morning. Young people. And it was really lovely. And just all the way down, it's difficult to even get to the sound desk to get, hand over my slides because people are wanting to say hello and welcome us. So you are blessed people and you bless others in everything that you do. So thank you so much for making us so welcome. All right, it's a privilege, real privilege. I feel it's a privilege um, that I don't take lightly to come here and be with you. So thank you very much. Let's start in prayer. Thank you, Lord. My God. Father, what more could I pray? What more could I say? How more, much more could I add to what's already been said and done in this place? We do love you. And we are grateful, Lord, that you love us even more. An everlasting love that never goes away, that's always with us, that will never leave us or forsake us. And Father, this morning I pray that the words I speak will be you speaking through me. I surrender myself now to you. I say, Spirit of God, come and have your way. Use me as you will. Take the words I've written down and if need be, change them into the way you want to say them. But Father, I pray every person in this place right now and in response to the prayer that's gone into this over the past week, Lord, I pray that every ear would be open to hear, every eye open to see what's going on in the supernatural realm, every heart softened and eager to receive and believe what you want to say to us today, myself included. So come, have your way, Spirit of God. I give thanks to you in anticipation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Okay, this is called filled with the living water. It could be drink more, you know, come and receive. It, it's a dull title for something very exciting that I believe the Lord has me to share. Um, God's given me a burden for Aotearoa, New Zealand, and especially for the North. Even before we came back from Australia, almost 10 years ago now, I wanted to be up here, and I thought God was saying Hokianga and Opanoni. And then it didn't happen. I ended up in Whangarei, which is okay because that's sort of my hometown. Um, my family is all there. But I still have this pull, for uh, this burden for the north and the far north in this pull. All right? And even though we had 40 years in Australia and I always thought I would one day go back to Australia, I can't deny what God's doing in my heart. And that's why I choose to continue to minister here. And my... my um, that 
passion and that burden stems from the word of the Lord. Prophetic words that God has given me over the, uh, over the years. Things that people have spoken into my life, you know. Anointed by the, uh, the water of the Holy Spirit. It just comes and touches us and it changes us. Changes the way we think and we feel. Changes our life. And so today I want to share with you a word that the Lord gave me. A prophetic vision accompanied by words that he gave me earlier this year at a combined churches meeting which was in Whangarei. Um, I'm going to read it because I don't want to embellish it. I'm quite good at adding things to things. So I want to give you just what God gave me. As we were praying and waiting upon the Lord for prophetic insights in this meeting, the Lord gave me a picture of a huge tidal wave coming up the Whangarei Harbour rolling over the town basin, sweeping up over the hills and the surrounding areas and actually going right over all the land up to the north and over to the west coast and back into the water on the other side. The, the wave was a huge wave. I couldn't tell you. I mean, it'd be higher than this room, I believe. It was huge. And I know it was huge because the figures in it, the people in it, were little. All right. It was huge, but it was weird because it just kept coming like this. It never actually came over and crashed. It just kept coming like this, curled over, ready to pound. But all the backwash of it was also there. So there was the flood of it as well as that. And it was just continuous and kept coming. All right. So that's why it just kept rolling and never stopped. As the wave rolled in, there were a few people, not a lot, but a few people who were surfing it very successfully. They were riding on the top and you could feel they were full of joy. They were high and riding high and very safe. And the Lord said to me, these are the people who have eagerly heard and received my foretold word. The people who have unwaveringly trusted and believed in and zealously prepared for my wave of revival that is coming. The revival that I have been telling people about for some time now. The message of which these people have taken seriously, prepared for and told others about at every opportunity. There were a few more people who were swimming furiously in the middle of the curl of the wave, just managing to keep their head above the water. Uh, and it was almost like they were dog paddling, but I knew that they were on surfboards, you know. Um, these people are the people who have... Uh, God says, these are the people who have heard my word for the future in Northland, and they do believe it. But they have failed to most fully adequately prepare for what is coming. Complacency has risen up and compromise has distorted their vision. Without committed, conscientious preparation, they're struggling to keep afloat of the great tidal wave that I am sending forth. And as a result, some of these people will not make it. Finally, there was a huge mass of people thousands of people, um, professing Christians and non-believers together who were clearly drowning in the tide of this water. The Lord said, these people are careless and they are apathetic. Some of them appear to love me, but they fail to obey me. And they do not warn others of the impending danger of the revival wave because they do not comprehend or even believe it themselves. 
What they do share is incomplete and it lacks conviction. As I watched the waves sweep over our region, I was suddenly overwhelmed by an immense grief for those who either didn't know about or failed to believe by faith, failed to respond to the numerous prophetic warnings that God has given about this impending event. I believe I was experiencing the grief of the Lord for his lost people. I got the scripture from Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Bottom line being is, how can they hear without someone to preach to them? How can they hear without somebody telling them or inviting them to meet Christ? Since then, I've been pressing into the Lord to find the keys ushering in the prophetic word of the Lord and to prevent so many people drowning in the tsunami of his great um, wave of revival that certainly will come. Three phrases are constantly before me in the months since then. One, complacency and compromise. Two, unbelief and lack of trust in the Lord. And three, fear of the Lord and obedience. Now, two of these are not positive. The final one, fear of the Lord and obedience is. And I believe the people who are surfing and having fun on the top there are the people who know the fear of the Lord, walk in the fear of the Lord, and therefore are obedient. They are the righteous of the righteous that God has. In April, Pastor Tuffery Little John, does anyone know him? He's a young man who has an amazing ministry um, down Walkworth Way. Um, he spoke with great urgency at a GLOW meeting in Wangarei about the shaking of New Zealand that God has already begun in this nation. He shared testimonies of the shaking occurring in various towns and communities throughout New Zealand. And I think that we've seen and experienced the same thing here in Church Unlimited over, um, over the past past few years. It's been happening with increasing measure. There's been an increased seal, an increased urgency. More people are praying. More people are fasting. We don't just pray now and again. We pray every week. We pray three plus three. You know, there's just this increased urgency. The conference numbers are increasing. More people are volunteering. More people are getting out in the streets. Congregations like this congregation is growing. Youth are just overwhelming what's happening, all right? So we've experienced it and people have picked up and run with these shakings. People, I want to say to you that God is bringing spiritual shakings upon us. Every prophetic word of the Lord is a spiritual shaking. The question that arises is, how are we going to prepare and cope with these shakings? In the physical round, we have um, frequent messages conveyed to us about how to be prepared for that one big quake with accompanying tsunami that's going to happen one day. The day and the time we do not definitely know, but scientists keep telling us that it's definitely going to happen in New Zealand and different parts of New Zealand like in Christchurch and even in Northland. Um, the commercial ads remind us of this. Do you know, recall what they say? They said, if it is long or Strong, be gone, all right?
pattern. And we frequently hear that message. So some of us know it because we hear it so much. A few months ago on TV One, Anchorman and Cameras unexpectedly invaded a home on an eastern coastal town in the middle of the North Island and announced to the three young people there who were boarding together in this house that there had been a strong earthquake out at sea and a tsunami was due to hit the coast where they were living in 20 minutes. After making the occupants aware that this was really uh, a test run, a trial, a, you know, a simulated thing, they were then um, urged to take action now. This is urgent, it is life-threatening, it's an event you need to escape, they yelled at them. And they said, where will you go? How will you get there? How long will it take? How, what will you take with you? And these people immediately ran and got under tables and indoors spaces. And he said, you don't have time for that, you have to escape. Out, get out now and run as hard as you can, or go as hard as you can. They immediately went to the car and they stopped them and said, look at the streets, they're congested with cars. What are you taking with you? That one had no shoes on, another one had high heel shoes on, the man had runners. But they went back, they looked for a torch, they got some water eventually. One girl said, I know where the highest place is, it's Hospital Hill. And so they took off and the cameras followed them for 20 minutes as they ran the streets and they got up Hospital Hill and then the time was up and they found they were 20 metres short of the point they needed to be at to be safe if this tidal wave of the size that was predicted actually came in. Um, now, because the first tide apparently is not always as big as the subsequent ones, they probably wave, they probably would have been all right. You know, it would have taken them five or six seconds to get that extra 20 metres. That's how long they took running in and out, getting shoes and drinks and torch. Good. The simulation caused Tim and I to have a useful discussion about how we prepare for a similar event, earthquake, tsunami, because we do live on a slope of a hill overlooking the Wangarei Harbour. Even after discussion, we were uncertain about how successful we could escape harm or potential death. But it did make me prepare some items to take with us and put them in a backpack. Water, torch, protein bars, wipes, for example. And I do have a travel plan for higher ground in mind. But the question is, how prepared are you and I, each one of us individually, even as a church, how prepared are we for the great spiritual tidal wave that is coming? Nobody knows the day or the time that it will happen, but we all do know it will happen. We've had numerous prophetic words about us. How ready is your hearing, your eyesight, your heart to receive and believe, to trust and obey when God says, get up and run now? How many will respond? What is your state of the fear of the Lord? Because that's what it's really about. How much you trust and believe the Lord. What are we doing about it? How prepared are you? Am I? I suspect that our complacency, which is really a bit of lack of faith, active faith, is in part, um, has in part given rise to the apathetic faithless communities in which we live. 
Without faith in Christ, life is hopeless. People feel hopeless. They are hopeless. This is clearly evidenced in our community, which are full of hopelessness and helplessness, are communities without Christ, without the hope of Christ. So we see an ever-increasing numbers, and you will have it here just as we have in Whangarei. Um, family violence, child abuse, homelessness, poverty, neglect, uh, hunger, particularly in the young and in the elderly, suicide, especially among our young people and our men, uh, substance abuses and addictions and moral acts and behaviour. The list can just go on and on and on. Amen? So what's in your spiritual backpack? Here's a list of the things that we should have as a beginning. Prayer, intercession, travail and petition. We need to burden people for this. Where's your burden? How much do you pray for the spiritual revival? How much do you look at the people out there and think they're all drowning? When this tide comes, they're going to miss out. We need to be fasting, humbling ourselves, seeking the Lord, waiting upon him, asking, reading the word of God, trusting him, being obedient to what he says. We need to be seeking visions and dreams for ourselves because who knows that when God talks to you and you alone, that does it. All right, God said it, that does it. It's very hard to shake that off when he calls you by name and he talks to you in private. It's hard to get rid of that. Yeah, um, We need to have spiritual weapons, spiritual armor on. We need to have spiritual intimacy and surrender and silence before the Lord. So we give him space and we give him air room so we can hear him. We need to be using spiritual gifts, our spiritual power and our spiritual authority because all those things are things we need in our spiritual backpack. As I've gone through this list, I hope you've been ticking off the things you've got and putting a little circle around the things you may not have. Every great move of God has started with confession and repentance. Hebrews 3 Um, 7 to 13 talks a little bit about hardening our hearts. In verse 7 it says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that is turned from the living God. Verse 13, Put... No, but encourage one another so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, we constantly have to be examining our hearts, bringing before the Lord, confessing our sin and turning around from it. Every great move of God has been preceded by fervent believing prayer with fasting and surrender and humility before God who sees all and hears all, who knows all and who answers all. Only one God can do that, all those things. Only one God, our God. Right? God the Father, um, God of Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, three in one. The only way, the only person that has it. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, you all know this, we talk about it often, but read the words, each word. As my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. It starts with if. We have to do this first. We have to be in this place first. All right? If then I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, healing their land means that people will be healed spiritually. 
as well as in every other way. But it comes first with spiritually. So they're all healed. They're all saved. They're all the one family of God as God had planned if we do those things. Every great move of God has been accompanied by praise and worship. In 2 Chronicles... The whole chapter of 2 Chronicles 20, from 1 to 29, talks about King Jehoshaphat who wakes up one day and discovers that he's totally surrounded by the enemy, no way of escape. The whole nation, uh, all of um, Israel is in there. Israel and Judah? Israel. All right, I'm sorry about that. I didn't check up on that. All right, but all the people that he's governing um, are... Uh, uh, caught, trapped in this. And he looks, I want to read what he said in verse 18. Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord and he actually said, God, we're doomed. Where are you? We need you. We come to you. We cannot move or succeed without you. And so Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, there's the answer, fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites... We heard about the Levites this morning. Stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. And then in 21 it says, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out leading the army into war. And 22 says, as they begin, as they begin, not after they've been singing for 10 minutes or two hours or walking, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set the ambushes against their enemy and they were defeated. All right? All right? And that whole chapter you need to read and meditate on chapter um, 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, because there's so many truths in there um, that we need to hold on to. We need to be praising and worshipping God because the enemy hates that and God loves that. You know, and as we praise and worship, as we pray and as we read the word and obey, it increases the power that's released to us and enables us to do what God's asking us to do. Finally, I want to look at one last scripture which illustrates that every great movement of God requires trust in God. This fear of the Lord. And it's from Ezekiel 47, which describes the river flowing from the temple of God. I'm just going to abbreviate what, it say, what verses 3 to 7 says. It says in Ezekiel 43, 3 to 7, the Lord takes Ezekiel into this great river and then he systematically measures out a thousand cubits at a time. They walk in, they stop. Then they do it again. He keeps doing this, all right? The first thousand cubits takes them ankle deep in the water. The next thousand cubits, the water reaches up to their knees. The third thousand cubits, they're waist deep in the flowing river waters of this river. At the fourth one thousand cubits, Ezekiel finds that he's quite out of his depth. His feet are no longer touching the ground. He cannot cross this river. This is a river that's flowing well and very full and very deep. It can sweep a man away to his death. It's deep water in which a, a man can die. Um, out of foot's reach and in this fast-flowing water, Ezekiel finds that he's totally unable to do anything to save himself or help himself. And that he discovered it required of him a total dependence and trusting upon God for his safety and even his survival. People, we need that mentality. You know, if we're going to be in this room 25 years from now, we have to have that sort of mentality. 
because we've got too many enemies wanting to take us out. And we have to have that total dependence of God for our survival. It demands unwavering, unshakable, never doubting trust in the Lord. It's called a reverential fear of the Lord. An acknowledgement that God is in all things. He is everything. And apart from him, we can do nothing. Amen? We know it all. We all know it in part because we have flashes of it. We've had those moments of desperation. All those moments of aloneness and isolation where we've cried out to the Lord and we've had glimpses of it. But not a lot of us walk in that all of the time or most of the time. And God's saying, come on, guys, you can do it. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I'm with you. You know, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, talks about being planted by the water of God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water, a tree that sends its roots to the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes because it can drink of the water. Its leaves are always green because it's always getting fed by this water, drinking this water. It has no worries in a year of drought because these roots are so far down that they go into the reservoir of water that's underneath the dried-out creek beds. Deep foundations, right this close to the living water that this is talking about, all right? Um, It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to produce food. Hallelujah. Fruit every day, souls every day. People say, people to disciple, yes. People to grow. Emma, 500 people this month in the worship team and in the choir, all right? And in youth group, another 40 this, this, this week, this Friday, Yeah. And then that's producing fruit every day. This is a person who's flourishing, prospering, living well with no fears and no worries. Wouldn't that be nice? Always fruitful, no drought, no raging storm, no violent winds can upset or distress this person. And all because they trust in the Lord and they live so close to him that they're being watered in their roots. Amen? But listen to the next scripture. Um, uh, Drinking the water improves our odds here, all right? It says in John 7, verses 37 to 39, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This is Jesus. Okay. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit. That's what the scripture says. So he's talking about the spirit of God, all right? The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, of God himself, all right? And he's saying, drink it. So he's not only saying, stand close and get your roots right down and go underneath all the drought and all the rubbish and draw in the water so that you're full of it so you're fresh and green and flourishing but he's saying let's do a bit more you're in the river you're totally surrounded by water all right you've got your roots there being filled up from the bottom like a tree rooted in the ground now he's saying open your mouth and receive this water drink it drink it drink it so he wants us to have so much water that we're saturated in it we're in it walking in it we're Unable to touch the ground, even though we've got roots right down there getting into the cisterns deep in the, in the earth. But he's saying, now drink it. He says, anyone who, um, anyone who drinks the water that I give them will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become a fountain of water 
bringing up into eternal life. So we drink the water. We have these streams of living water that comes out of us. And we have fountains of water that squirts out of us. Now, where's that water going? It's going on everyone that we come in contact with. Wherever we're walking, whoever we're by, here in Kaitaira, in Whangarei, in Auckland, in New, throughout New Zealand, overseas, and unreached people group, wherever we go, we're saturated in water. And because we've got these steep foundations, all right, we're never going to run dry. Never going to run dry. But if you don't have the foundations, if you're not close to him, if you're not drowning in the water so you're totally dependent upon him, these rivers aren't going to come out. These fountains aren't going to spurt all over the place. All right? I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to Mission, love going to Mission Bay because in Mission Bay they had this beautiful fountain. Do they still have it there? Yeah, and we, used to, and it, we just went ever. It seemed to be that high. And it seemed to go the size of this room. I'm sure it didn't, but we were kids, you know. And that's you. Yeah, think of these things. Get a visual image of it. All right, so filled with this water. The Holy Spirit's the living water. Springs and fountains of water that Jesus provides. His Holy Spirit who brings life and life most abundant to the person who stands in it, drowns in it, puts his roots down into it and who drinks it without ceasing. Good news? What's more, Jesus is inviting us to do that. It's not like we've got, to, we've got to go digging for this water or make a well or anything like that. No, he says, here it is. All right, this living water of the Holy Spirit is God himself living in us. God living in us. If, if we believe that God is all-knowing, ever-present, all, right, all powerful. If he's this living water, if he's the bread of life, if he's the truth that sets people free and he's living in us and we have these streams that are pouring out of us and these fountains that are spurting out all over the place, what's coming out of us? Power, knowledge, presence of God, all these things that God is because God lives in us by his spirit. All right? And they... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Living water. I set that up so that you could see the flow of the water. As I moved, it flowed out of me. Thank you. You saved my butt, Sally Ann. Good on you. Okay. All right. So God didn't create us to be earthbound. We're up there seated in heavenly places in him, filled with all of his power. He created us to be his reservoir of his power and his strength. All right. What I would like now is for the um, music team to come up, please. And I'm just going to bring this to a conclusion. I have a scripture that's up on the screen, um, and I'll read that in a minute. But I, I just want to say, you know, people, it's time to get serious. You know, it's time to do away with the petty issues of life, to be done with our small dreams. God's placed in each one of us a huge dream. A huge dream. All things are possible in him. Not our own dreams, his dreams in us. All things are possible. And we have that dream. And you may have had the dream given to you 40 years ago. If you've still got it, then God still intends to do something about it. If you would just drink the water and, and go where he tells you to go. In obedience. Trusting the Lord. Fear of the Lord. All right, to be done, no, um, no falling short on provision for others. It's time to overcome our shortage. 
of spiritual resources. It's time to overcome your lack of confidence. It's time to get boldness and to know that you know. Amen? Amen. We should be infilling others out of the overflow with plenty left over for our own spiritual water tanks to keep us refreshed and vitalized at all times, all right? So enough for everyone else, but we're still going. We're not stopping. We're a bit like this young man over over here, all right? Still going, all right? Like Radar, still going, never giving up, always fresh, always full, like Emma, like all the people I see in this church. You're amazing. You already know what I'm talking about, but God's, God gave me the message for you. I've never preached this message with anyone else. So listen, guys. All right? Revelations 22:17 says, The Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit and the Bride, say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. You know, this is freely given. It doesn't cost you anything except a hung, a thirst, a desire. And God's saying, come. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up this altar. And for those who have heard the word and who want to come, today is the day to come. If you've never... If you've never come before, or maybe you came a long time ago and you've been a bit dry since then, then you need to come. You know, as I said, it doesn't cost anything, but what it gives you is eternal life. It gives you relationship with God. It gives you the opportunity to get in the river and lose control and let God take over. Hallelujah. It gives you the opportunity to put your your roots down so deep through reading the Bible and fellowshipping with others and, and going to Bible study classes. It gives you that opportunity that you never run out of water. And what's more, there'll be this living water that comes out of you, which is God, that you can share with everyone. So you don't have to think about what you're going to do. You just have to go and be by people. And it'll happen. Hallelujah. I like that sort of work. All right? I like that sort of work. Okay, let's stand up. Now, if you've heard this for the first time, I'm asking you to come up here and let me pray with you. All right, you need to come and get prayer to open. Open your tight shut mouth, your vessel that hasn't yet had the water. If you come up here, I can meet with you and together you and I will say a prayer to the Lord. I'll say it, you'll repeat it after me and then watch the living waters fall upon you and flow. If you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, so you've got that extra empowering of the Holy Spirit, then today's the day you can come and receive that. All right, the altar's open. Let Emma lead. Thank you.